Bites, Kane 107.5. Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day, December the 21st. And uh, some late breaking stories that took place last night. Uh, of course, uh, the big one uh, being the death of Franco Harris, uh, the Pittsburgh Steeler running back who uh, I think this Saturday... They're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of that immaculate reception. All kind of things that were planned and all, but with Franco's death uh, sometime um, late last night, early this morning, the story broke about a little over an hour ago, Jeff, and uh, wow, just tragic. Yeah. Uh, Again, I'm a little younger than you, but that's one of the big first big football moments I remember. uh, Obviously, Pittsburgh dominating. Well, uh, that was their first Super Bowl year, wasn't it? Uh, they they got beat by the Dolphins uh, later on in the playoffs. Of course, I think the Dolphins went on to uh, go, was that the 72 season? Yeah, of the, if it was the 50th anniversary. Yeah, yeah so uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that was uh, the Dolphins ended up uh, – uh, I think going a fourteen fourteen and zero regular season, and then yeah. seventeen and zero during the playoffs. And uh, as they beat, uh, I'm trying to remember who they beat for their Super Bowl. Washington. Win. Yeah, with that fourteen to seven Gary Premium uh, attempted pass. Anyway, Franco Harris, uh, Hall of Fame running back, who's uh, heads up thinking authored the immaculate reception that kind of got Pittsburgh off the snide. You know, I think up until that time. Uh, the Rooney family, I don't think they'd ever made the playoffs uh, in that regard. And it kind of took them off the snide. They go on to win four Super Bowls in the uh, 70s uh, with uh, Terry Bradshaw and Mean Joe Green and uh, all that crowd. And Harris, uh, uh, basically his son this morning, uh, told the Associated Press his father died overnight. No cause of death was given. His death comes just two days before the 50th anniversary of the play that provided the jolt that helped uh, transform the Steelers into also rans into NFL elite, and three days before Pittsburgh is scheduled to retire his number 32 jersey. Man, I thought maybe... I was going to say it's amazing it hadn't been retired before. That, that's right. During a ceremony at halftime of its game against the Raiders, uh, and that saw so Harris ran for a lifetime, uh, 12, a little over 12,000 yards, won four Super Bowl rings with the Steelers, in the 70s and a dynasty that began in earnest when Harris decided to keep running during a last-second heave by Steelers quarterback Terry Bradshaw into a playoff game against Oakland in 72. And Pittsburgh was trailing at the time 7-6 and facing a 4th and 10 from their own 40-yard line with 22 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. Bradshaw drifted back and threw a deep uh, pass to running back Frenchie Fuqua. And Fuqua and Oakland defensive back Jack Tatum collided, sending the ball careening back towards midfield in the direction of Harris, where uh, he nearly, where nearly everyone on the field stopped. Harris kept his legs churning, snatching the ball just inches off the ground at Three River, Old Three River Stadium turf near Oakland's 45, then outracing several stunned Raider defenders to give the Steelers their first playoff victory in franchise four-decade history. And the play really represents our teams of the 70s, Harris said. And uh, the Immaculate Reception was voted the greatest play in NFL history during the league's 100th anniversary season in 2020. And while the Steelers fell, uh, the next week to Miami for the AFC Championship game, Pittsburgh was on its way to becoming a dominant team of the 70s, twice winning back-to-back Super Bowls, first after the 74 and 75 seasons, then again in 78 and 79. 
Harris, the six foot two, two hundred thirty pound workhorse from Penn State, found himself the center of it all. He turned for then record 158 yards rushing and a touchdown. I was at that game in New Orleans. The Steelers beat the Vikings 16 to six on his way to winning the game's MVP award. He scored at least once in three of the four Super Bowls he played in. His 354 career yards rushing in the NFL's biggest stage remains a record nearly four decades after his retirement. Uh, born in Fort Dix, New Jersey, March 7, 1950, Harris played collegiately at Penn State, where his primary job was to open holes for his tailback and backfield mate, Lydell Mitchell. And the Steelers, in the final stages of a rebuild led by Hall of Fame coach Chuck Knoll, saw enough in Harris to make him the 13th overall pick in the 1972 draft. So, uh, Franco Harris, uh, boy, his impact, too, with the Steelers was immediate. He was the NFL Rookie of the Year in 72 after then rushing for a team rookie record, 1,055 yards. Of course, you got to remember they were only playing 14 games back then. They didn't get to the 16-game schedule in 78, 79, somewhere in there. I'd say, yeah, 79, I think. Yeah, somewhere in there. And uh, the Steelers reached the – the postseason for the, just the second time in franchise history, the large Italian-American population embraced him, immediately led up by two local businesses who founded it became known as Franco's Italian Army and uh, not to Paris roots as a son of an African-American father and an Italian mother. Uh, the Immaculate Reception made Harris a star, though he typically preferred to let uh, his play and not his mouth do the talking on a team that featured big personalities like Terry Bradshaw and Mean Joe Green and linebacker Jack Lambert, among others. The intensely quiet Harris spent 12 seasons uh, as the engine that helped Pittsburgh uh, offense go. I-, I didn't realize it, Jeff, too. I forgot that he played those 12 years with the uh, Steelers, but his last year was with Seattle. And that he played his last year with Seattle. Eight times he topped 1,000 yards rushing, including five times playing in that 14-game schedule, as we mentioned. And he piled up another 1,556 yards rushing and 16 rushing touchdowns in the playoffs, both second all-time behind Emmitt Smith. And despite his gaudy numbers, Harris stressed he was just one of the cog in an extraordinary machine. So uh, Franco Harris... uh, Gee, uh, passing away and all that to take place this weekend, you know, with uh, all the events to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. And uh, uh, I literally, I'll never forget, I literally was listening to it on the car radio. I'd gone to New Orleans to pick up my sister and future brother-in-law who had flown in. And as we were riding around, uh, uh, going to pick up some other things, uh, my brother and I were listening to the car radio, <laughs> kind of static, and not sure what took place when uh, Franco made that play. And uh, all we kept, the radio announcer lost it. And I don't know if that was maybe a CBS or NBC or whoever did the radio broadcast, but uh, – just I could still sit there. We were leaning over trying to listen what the announcer was saying as he was going ballistic with with uh, Franco picking the ball out the air. And finally, after things settled down a little bit, and they still had a little time, I think, left on the clock, too, when he scored. I think Pittsburgh had to still kick off. And for North, though, and uh, the 13-7 final score, the the Raiders' only touchdown came on a 40-yard run by, of all people, Kenny Stabler in that game, who in later years played with the uh, Saints. 
And uh, I don't think Kenny Stabler could run out from under his shadow, rather less 40 yards down the field. As he was out of the University of Alabama and Foley, uh, Alabama is his hometown. But uh, anyway, just some of your thoughts, uh, Jeff, with uh, Franco Harris. No, again, um, you know, legendary, and uh, just the timing of it is amazing. You know, yesterday uh, during the day I was watching uh, ESPN and they were showing a preview of uh, what was coming up and I uh, thought, uh, okay, great, that, that's cool. And, you know, I'm also watching ESPN and I uh, see where uh, Carlos Correa's uh, press conference with San Francisco was called off because they were concerned about uh, that. And all, both of those things happened at the same time and then both big stories uh, the next morning. Yeah, Carlos Correa, the uh, fine shortstop who be- began his career, I think, with the Astros and played for a few years with them, helping them to their first World Series title in 17. Uh, and then uh, moving on this past year, playing with uh, Minnesota, he and uh, the Giants had agreed to a $350 million contract for, pardon me, 13 years. And uh, the Giants, uh, after a physical, uh, from what I understand, just uh, backed off on the deal and uh, he and his agent overnight uh, signed a uh, 12-year deal for $315 million with the New York Mets. And he will not be playing shortstop. They're going to stick him at third base, from what I understand. It's not unusual. In so, fact, uh, when he came in, didn't he knock somebody? Altuve, I think, was the shortstop. I uh, think you're right. And he moved to uh, second base. That he didn't. And the same thing happened with uh, Rodriguez signed with the Yankees. Uh, they moved him from shortstop because Jeter had a stronghold there, and they moved him to third base, and that all worked out fine. So, uh, And Correa is – I'm almost sure he's won a Golden Glove, if not two, at shortstop uh, over the years with the Astros. I know he's won some Silver Slugger awards in that regard. So, But the big story this morning, Franco Harris, the uh, immaculate reception uh, Receiver for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers back in 1972, passed away sometime late last night, early this morning. Story broke a little over an hour ago up in, uh, I think he still calls home Pittsburgh, I do yeah, believe. Yeah. And uh, the story broke from his son, who said his dad passed away. Didn't give any indication what maybe had taken his life. I'm not sure. I don't think he uh, had uh, cancer or anything like that. That would have been uh, maybe announced. But, you know, he was pretty quiet off the field with his personal life. And uh, as it said, as I read moments ago, uh, his ego wasn't big like some of the others on that team, at that Steeler team in the 70s, uh, including Bradshaw and Lambert and that crowd, So, uh, along with Mean Joe Green. So uh, uh, Franco Harris uh, was 72 years of age. He was born March 7th, 1950, and uh, had a big, big celebration planned this weekend with regards to the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. I wonder if the... Of course, I wonder if they were going to maybe uh, run that play again <laughs> out on the field uh, with Franco. Uh, and I can remember him in the Super Bowl game uh, in New Orleans and when they took on the Vikings when they won their first Super Bowl uh, game. And I remember uh, passing by Mr. Rooney, the older man, the older, not the son that's running the team today, but the older man bumping into him in the French Quarter. He was coming out of his hotel room uh, somewhere along Canal Street and uh, – uh, a wee old man, and uh, surrounded by a host of, uh, I guess, not necessarily bodyguards, but family. And uh, the Steelers went on in a dreary day that that day in uh, 
Tulane Stadium. I remember paying twenty dollars for a ticket to in an end zone seat, the south end zone seat, sitting up there, and it was the best investment I made that day was a stocking cap, mm-hmm. uh, a wool stocking cap, and uh, it was quite cold. And after towards the end of the game, we got down and went behind the Steelers bench and. Uh, and a buddy of mine, uh, Kenny Abear, and I shared those tickets, uh, and it was uh, a, a sight to see and recall as the uh, Steelers went on to win their first Super Bowl and Franco Harris uh, running up and down the field that day. I, I really thought Fran Tarkenton would have a chance to uh, to win that day, but um, not meant to be. And then he lost two other times. He was over three in Super Bowls. Joe Cap was the first Viking quarterback who. Uh, to a quarterback, and they got beat by the Chiefs in Tulane Stadium in 70, I do believe, January of 70. Anyway, Franco Harris uh, going at uh, 72, and uh, going to be a solemn moment, uh, boy, this coming weekend over in Pittsburgh for uh, that 50th anniversary. I wonder if they're even going to complete it. They were supposed to retire his number, and wow, just uh, unbelievable. I would imagine the family will have a hand in uh, deciding whether they want to postpone it, uh, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Pittsburgh has another home game. I would imagine there's a good chance they do, but uh, maybe uh, this weekend might not be the best time. I, yeah. I don't know. Boy, you, you wonder if Or I'm... just the opposite. Maybe it's it's a perfect way to eulogize him, too. Yeah, and celebrate his, uh, his life uh, in that regard. But, wow. Just wow. Anyway, the other big news breaking uh, tonight, uh, or I should say overnight, was Carlos Correa, the uh, fine shortstop. I played with the Twins this past year after a few years with the Astros. Uh, he goes and have a, they have an announcement. They're ready to – he and agent agreed with the Giants uh, with regards to a $350 million contract for 13 years. And uh, I, I don't know if it was – I'm pretty sure it was a physical. The Giants were leery about some kind of an injury he had to his back. And they just uh, felt uncomfortable uh, taking a 13-year commitment uh, for $350 million. And before you can say Carlos Correa, he and his agent have a deal lined up with the Mets. And the Mets go ahead and sign him for 12 years for $315 million. And Carlos Correa will move to third base, uh, playing with the New York Mets uh, for the next, uh, I guess, 10, 12 years. And he'll be uh, lining up at third base for the Mets, who I'm, I think I saw somewhere that the Mets now – have an annual payroll of $380 million. Uh, the top the Yankees, the Dodgers, I think all of the big uh, teams. So here comes that, uh, that tax. Cohen said he was going to spend money. He did, and he's got plenty of it, too. Yeah. That's, that's the key. He's got plenty of money, a billionaire that, owned, that bought the Mets. Uh, I'm trying to think how long he's owned the Mets uh, in that regard. I can't. Uh, Two, put, three years. Yeah, it's a few years, and uh, he's going out and spent some money. You, you wonder why he let Jacob DeGrom go <laughs> over to the Rangers. You know, if he's spending all that money, of course, uh, DeGrom has uh, issues, injury issues over the past few years, and I don't even think he's completed a whole season. Uh, they didn't win with him. No. I mean, they won games, sure. obviously, but they never got to the promised land with him. Yeah, and. Uh, or was he on that 2015 team? I don't think so. He's still yeah. pretty young. Yeah. I say young. What is he, 28 maybe, somewhere in there, 20, 29, so uh, in that regard. But uh, Carlos Correa, man, I mean, <laughs> he just a stunning turn. That's another thing that, you know, he was all set to go to the Giants out in San Francisco, 
And uh, he originally agreed you know, to the terms and all, and everything looked uh, hunky-dory. And his historic 13-year, $350 contract basically tying Bryce Harper for the longest free agent deal in baseball history and setting up the star shortstop to become a new central figure out there in San Francisco. Well, the deal fell apart Tuesday. Mets swooped in, led by uber-aggressive owner Steve Cohen, and uh, told the New York Post that he had negotiated the new contract with Korea's agent, Scott Boris, in Hawaii. And uh, we need to uh, – one more thing, and that is uh, Cohen told the Post that uh, this was important. That puts us over the top. That's a good team. I hope it's uh, – I hope it is a good team, and Korea's schedule will be officially introduced to – the Giants, <coughs> excuse me, yesterday. And, uh, but the team announced uh, that morning that, the, and you, you'd mentioned it, the news conference was postpone, postponed without providing a reason. Associated Press subsequently reported that an undisclosed medical concern arose during Korea's physical examination, but the sources throughout the industry who spoke to ESPN uh, uh, still believe the deal would be finalized. Boris told the Post that there was a difference of opinion between Korea and uh, the uh, Giants over the results of that medical evaluation and Mets seized the opportunity to resume negotiations for the two-time All-Star, adding another superstar player to their aggressive pursuit of championship. Cohen told the Post that the agreement with Korea and Boris came together quickly because the Mets had initially fallen just short of a deal last week before Korea's pending deal with the Giants. So uh, in the meantime, uh, Korea's deal, the Mets have committed more than $800 million to free agents this offseason, and the competitive balance uh, uh, tax payroll now projects to be approximately $384 million, the fourth and final threshold of the luxury tax, commonly referred to as the Steve Cohen tax, and it sits uh, at $293 million for the 2023 season, which the Mets could be in for a tax bill in the neighborhood of $100 million. Uh, Anyway, yeah, he's trying to build a winner, a winner and uh, he's, as you mentioned, he's willing to spend the cash, and he's got plenty of it, too. And if the deal with the Mets is finalized, this one, like the uh, prior agreement with the Giants, it also is a penny completion of a physical. Uh, he will team up with good friend and fellow Puerto Rican Francisco Linder, uh, who signed a 10-year, $341 million extension in April of 2021. Uh, Linder is expected to remain at shortstop and career would move to third in a dynamic uh, that will undoubtedly remind uh, the pair of, between Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez in the, uh, in the uh, Bronx. So uh, Mr. Cohen's going to spend plenty of money. He already has $800 million over the next uh, few years. Uh, wow. That's, uh, as they say in Mamu Keg Pias, that's plenty of dollars. So uh, we'll see what the Mets do. Had a, started off pretty well last year and then kind of late during the season kind of fell apart a little bit. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. And the Braves surged too. Yeah, true. And along with the Phillies, you know, playing well. And you know as well as I do, Jeff, uh, as a baseball purist, the teams that are hot towards the end of the year have to fight and fight and fight to win games every night to make the playoffs generally do well in the – historically do well in the playoffs because they just play them well as a team and doing the little things to win games. And uh, that happens a lot. So uh, we've seen a few wild card t- teams win World Series just because towards the end of the year, the last few weeks they got hot, played well, pitching, hitting, all comes together and uh, – We'll see what the Mets uh, can do right now in that regard. So uh, that's pretty much about it here. Uh, Getting back to uh, the Steelers, they do play another home game January 8th, but 
you know, looking at uh, the time of the game, it was going to be is going to be prime time Saturday night, Christmas Eve against the Raiders. Uh, you can understand why they chose that particular day to do it because the Raiders, uh, the, the initial catch came against the Raiders. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess they stick with. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you too. With everything planned out and all, they're just going to honor him, retire his jersey. Probably replay the uh, that play many times during the course of uh, I guess uh, pregame ceremonies and all with the um, uh, Harris family and uh, we'll see how uh, that'll all go. But uh, Franco Harris uh, dead today at 72 years of age, uh, Hall of Fame Steeler, and uh, he wasn't. I'm trying to think the original Steeler off that team who got into. Uh, the Hall of Fame, uh, what did, I'm pretty sure it was Bradshaw. Maybe might have been the uh, first Steeler off that team. And then they, well, how many, had? maybe seven or eight of them off that team that ended up getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, of course, Mean Joe Green. Well, think Lambert. about who may have retired first. Yeah, well, Bradshaw, what, maybe 82, 83. His first year in the league was in 70, the, the season of 70. And uh, Mean Joe Green might have been a year older than – he was drafted in 69, I believe, out of North Texas. And uh, I'm trying to recall, Lambert came in in 74 with Lynn Swan, and and uh, they had a what uh, was uh, the center. Mike Webster was another Hall of Famer that was drafted on that team that year. And uh, I'm trying to remember the fourth one. There were four Hall of Famers, a uh, Stallworth maybe, uh, from Alabama A&M, I think was the uh, fourth stealer who uh, was in that draft class, that Hall of Fame class. They had four of them out there, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 picks that year. And I remember they they were playing at the Saints in old Tulane Stadium in a Monday night game, and uh, they ended up beating the Saints like 28 to 7, something like that, and that's when they took off uh, on their year and uh, to win their first Super Bowl in 75, the January of 75 against the Vikings. Uh, that's what I recall about the Steelers, uh, those teams of that year. And I've got a good friend in town that I think he's got everything from a Steeler helmet to a Steeler towel. Jerseys, uh, he's got a lot of uh, Steeler. He, as a, a boyhood growing up, a teenager growing up, that was his team. And still to this day, the Pittsburgh Steelers are his team. Anyway, um, don't know if we uh, have anything else, Jeff, right now uh, to talk about. But it's I hope time. so. we got 40 minutes left in the show. Well, so. I'm just saying in this particular segment. Anyway, let's go ahead and take our first break. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. The athletic field provides challenges that test their competitor. It is in that challenge that you realize you can accomplish things you have never thought you could accomplish. I am Jacob Landry, and I'm running for state representative in District 49. I've created hundreds of jobs, good-paying jobs, that families can build prosperous lives based on those jobs. This is my challenge, and I need your help. Your vote and your support will ignite a bright new future for all of us. 
Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music on Thursday. It's Southern Jack, and join us for the Quarter Tavern Christmas party Friday night. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, across from McDonald's, the best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer, now just $2, imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has it covered for all the bowl games and no bar with more outdoor seating. Don't forget the Quarter Tavern, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on this big hump day, uh, Wednesday, December the 21st. And a big day for high school football players as uh, a lot of them will put their signature on grant and aids or national letters of intent to declare for the college they want to spend hopefully their next four to five years with. And it's National Signing Day. And the early signing period is kicking off as uh, lasting uh, through Friday. High school uh, recruits are able to sign national letters of intent to lock them into the college of their choice. It's already been a busy start to the week with uh, two five-star recruits uh, uh, flipping their commitments. North, uh, quarterback Dante Moore regarded uh, Oregon in favor of UCLA, while offensive tackle Caden Proctor spurned Iowa for Alabama. Of course, Archie Manning, uh, Arch Manning, excuse me, uh, uh, is a commitment to the University of Texas. He would be sh- signing his uh, document, uh, I guess, sometime uh, today. Usually, Newman uh, has some kind of a ceremony uh, where these young men, I think one of his teammates, uh, Randall, I uh, can't recall his first name, a tight end from uh, Newman, will also be heading to Texas with Arch Manning, along with uh, locally uh, Derek Williams here uh, in New Iberia will be signing with the Texas Longhorns, along with uh, one other player, uh, Latulis, uh, his first name escapes me. He'll be, Dedrick. Yeah, be signing with uh, Louisiana Tech, I do believe. And it seemed like they had one or two others on the Westgate team this year also were have an opportunity to play at the next level in college. And I can't recall those two young men, I'm ashamed to say. Uh, also over in St. Martinville, Harvey Broussard had uh, declared uh, uh, committed to Memphis uh, a couple weekends ago when he made a, an official trip up to Memphis uh, for the Tigers. And he recently had made a couple other trips to colleges, and he and his parents have decided to wait to the uh, other signing date, which will be sometime the first Wednesday in February. So he might back off that commitment. I'm sure there are other schools pursuing him in regard to uh, his skills. He's a wide receiver at about 6'3 or 4, and a fine uh, football player for uh, 
the uh, St. Martinville Tigers, so he's going to back off of his commitment initially in that regard. With regards to some of our local schools, uh, LSU uh, uh, recently, they went to the portal and they picked up a couple fine football players in the last uh, uh, couple days where they're going to be losing some of their uh, defensive uh, line and they picked up uh, a transfer from the University of Florida along with uh, two other young men that will stabilize their defensive front for the next year or two to come. Uh, Of course, the Tigers have 25 hard commitments right now, starting off with uh, a young man uh, I think Jeff saw play earlier this year, Zalance Hurd, who is at 6'6", about 310 pounds, who block out the sun. Deshaun Womack, uh, Shelton Sampson, a Baton Rouge uh, native, uh, going to sign with the Tigers sometime today. We perceive he's a 6'4", 180-pound wide out uh, from Catholic High Baton Rouge. Also, some uh, other local players that are going to sign with uh, the Tigers. Uh, it's, I'm going through their list here. Uh, Caleb Jackson out of Baton Rouge. He's a uh, running back out of Liberty Magnet, the old uh, Robert E. Lee school over of Acadian Thruway. Also, Kalen Jackson, who is a uh, safety out of Zachary, will sign with the Tigers. Tariq Adams from St. Augustine, a defensive uh, or an offensive tackle. It's 6'5", 285. And the uh, leading rusher in the history of Louisiana high school football, Trey Holly, who should be signing with the Tigers today. Uh, he's up from Formerville, plays for Union Parish. Also, some other uh, local players, Ricky Collins, who I know, uh, Coach Kelly, uh, he was committed to Purdue, uh, changed his commitment uh, late last summer. He'll be enrolling early, too, uh, for the Tigers. He'll be at spring practice. He'll be signing with the Tigers today. Uh, trying to see some other locals fans might have. have it is official of. now. Archman has signed with Texas. <clears throat> okay, so uh, there were rumors that he was going to renege on that. I just. Uh, just knowing uh, the the Man- Manning family, I I didn't think he'd go back on his word in that regard. Of course, it all started when Peyton signed with the University of Tennessee back in the day, and uh, the old Miss Faithful wanted to run Archie Manning out of uh, the stadium if he ever showed up again. Uh, elsewhere, uh, some other uh, commitments for the Tigers in that regard uh, from Louisiana. Uh, the Dylan Carpenter, who was originally committed to the Cajuns, uh, a few weeks ago, after attending an LSU game, uh, decided to uh, recommit, to decommit, and then recommit with the Tigers. He's out of Santa Maw, along with Ashton Stamps, uh, a cornerback out of Rummel High School in New Orleans. So uh, the players they picked up, uh, Jalen Lee from Florida, along with uh, Paris Shand uh, from uh, Arizona, and Brady Swenson from Oregon, all big defensive linemen, along with Aaron Anderson, who had originally had committed to LSU uh, last year, but he ended up signing with Alabama. Well, he's rethought that process. He's out of New Orleans, a wide receiver, and he'll be playing for the Tigers uh, this coming fall, and he should be at LSU for the spring. So uh, that pretty much uh, wraps it up for uh, the Tigers. In regards to uh, the Cajuns, I'm going to – uh, pull them up quickly and uh, tell you some of their stars that uh, the Cajuns have uh, committed and uh, and will sign sometime this morning. Um, uh, just going through this list here of, uh, of that, trying to find the Cajuns uh, logo as I go through my list. Here we are. Uh, the Cajuns have uh, right now 16 commitments out of public. Uh, they could have some uh, in that regard. Uh, they're big. They're big uh, running back out of uh, Riverside over in uh, reserve. Elijah Davis 
has committed to the Cajuns. He's been a commitment for the Cajuns since the uh, beginning of uh, the summer. He's uh, a 5'9", 215-pound running back uh, uh, from Riverside Academy. Elsewhere, Jeremiah Moses, a uh, cornerback from Bell Chase. Jeff, who you might have seen play, he's uh, committed to the Cajuns. He'll be signing uh, with them this morning. Uh, elsewhere, other players uh, from Louisiana is Javon J. Vion uh, Hayes of Woodlawn of Baton Rouge, uh, another running back at 5'9", 175, uh, is committed and should sign with the uh, Cajuns along with Lance William, a Holy Cross defensive tackle uh, at 6'3", uh, 240. Uh, other Louisiana kids, Matthew Broussard, who I've heard some good things about out of E.D. White, uh, will be signing with the Cajuns today. He's an offensive tackle at about 6'4", about 280. Uh, elsewhere uh, with Louisiana commitments for the Cajuns. Uh, just going through this from Acadiana High School, uh, Jalen Lawrence, uh, a linebacker at 6'1", 205, along with uh, Cody Jackson of Evangel, a uh, safety at 6'2", 180. And as I mentioned, some of them could have already signed. Uh, not sure about that. But a big day for high school seniors in that regard. The Cajuns have one uh, transfer on the portal, and that's Trey Feet, uh, of, uh, transferred from SMU. He's a defensive uh, edge rusher at 6'5", 210. So, and, uh, of course, there could be other signees throughout the course of the morning that we're not and I'm not familiar with, but uh, pretty much with the Louisiana signees right now. Big day in high school sports for many of these young men will be playing at the next level in the uh, years to come. So, uh, And as you mentioned, Arch Manning did sign with the Texas on this national signing date, and uh, they'll be tracking uh, all that uh, about players. I know Alabama right now was basically uh, the leading uh, the charge as Nick Saban uh, trying to right the ship as he's not playing in the championship game in that regard for uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They lead the country right now. I'm looking at 247's uh, recruiting guide. Second is Georgia, followed by the University of Miami, as they've done a pretty good job. Was it Christy Ball uh, is the new coach there? And uh, Miami's coming in third right now with uh, what these analysts feel is the third best recruiting class, followed by Texas. Along with LSU is in fifth, Notre Dame sixth, Ohio State seventh, Oklahoma eighth, Tennessee ninth, and the Clemson Tigers coming in at tenth, Florida. As Coach Napier's team is coming in at eleventh right now. And boy, if you saw that Florida game uh, when they played, was it Oregon? Uh, boy, Florida man, just uh, they looked like they were going through the motions in that game. They were beating thirty to three in that bowl game. It was so, Oregon State, but yeah. uh, it, Oregon State, yeah, they just, oh man, I just. Uh, I couldn't believe a, a Napier coach team uh, played so poorly in that game, and um, and I'm sure the Florida fans felt the same way. And they ended up going six and seven this year, as they were six and six heading to the bowl game. Uh, so Coach Napier trying to bring in. Uh, I, I know. Uh, let me just see. I don't think. Uh, let's see if his Louisiana ties. If he brought in any uh, Louisiana kids with regards to uh, his recruiting class this year. I know they were in on a big tackle out of De La Salle High School. Don't know if he committed to them, but uh, he was a 6'8", like 320-pound tackle out of De La Salle High School who uh, who was leaning uh, with uh, signing with the University of uh, Florida. And just going through their class real quick, most of them look like are from Florida. Thought maybe with some of his Louisiana connections he might steal a player or two out of Louisiana. But uh, not the case in that regard. Don't see anybody in his uh, committee 
uh, players right now where that's the case. So, anyway, high school uh, football players around the state of Louisiana signing uh, scholarships uh, to their college of their choice for the next, hopefully, four to five years. I uh, don't know if you might have any thing breaking in that regard other than you mentioned arch manning uh oregon has flipped um another quarterback uh yeah, they lost a pledge from number three prospect dante moore now he's heading to ucla they flipped an espn 300 quarterback of their own landing austin novasada four-star uh, signal caller who had previously been committed to baylor he is oregon's 10th espn 300 commit for the 2023 class uh, most of, I mean, obviously it's early in the day, especially yes. on the West Coast, but uh, we may see a few trickle in uh, before the show's over, but um, you know, that, that's really the big news so far today. Yeah, well, with that, uh, just pulling up real quick, the Louisiana top players in Louisiana in 247. Arch Manning, of course, the consensus number one pick, and they have a check mark by his name, as you mentioned. He signed with uh, Texas this morning. Uh, Zalance uh, Hurd, of course, with LSU as the number two recruit in the state, uh, followed by Derek Williams, our own Westgate Tiger, uh, who's also a Texas commitment. Shelton Sampson uh, from uh, Catholic High Baton Rouge, a wide receiver and LSU commitment, uh, along with Eli Holstein, who's from Zachary, Louisiana, who originally, I think his brother was a quarterback at at I want to say St. Thomas Moore. He played over in Zachary this year. He's a commitment to Alabama. Uh, along with uh, Tackett Curtis, who was a quarterback and a linebacker on that Manny team. He's a commitment to Southern California. He's a six-radio recruit here in the state of Louisiana, followed by Jaden Osbury, and I'm sure we all know who his dad is and grandpa, who passed away recently. But uh, Jaden Osbury's commitment, he's a number seventh. Uh, he's a linebacker from uh, University Lab. He's a commitment to Notre Dame, followed by Caleb Jackson out of Liberty Magnet out of Baton Rouge. Jordan Matthews out of uh, Woodlawn of Baton Rouge as a Tennessee commitment, the number ninth rated player in the state. And Kalen Jackson from Zachary, also a, uh, a safety, is committed to LSU. So pretty much uh, the top ten players here in the state of Louisiana and where they're heading. Uh, anyway, um, Jeff, uh, maybe about time to take our next break. Well, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. 
With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to answertopain.com. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions, and you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Hi, this is Boxcar Badger, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Sliman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day, Wednesday, December the 21st. And uh, with that, uh, you know, bowl games are precedent right now in college football as uh, we have uh, one game on tap for today is Western Kentucky. will play South Alabama in the New Orleans Bowl over in uh, New Orleans. At, uh, that game will get underway around 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, not sure why the uh, maybe the late start instead of uh, 7 or, or even, uh, Jeff, don't know uh, the reasonings for that. Uh, any other uh, – I don't think there are any other bowl games today. Uh, in that regard, could be uh, an early TV. college game that they want to get on a six o'clock in uh, college. Football. Yeah, basketball or something might come into play. But uh, uh, a couple games uh, last night, I do believe, uh, as Liberty uh, loses a close one to Toledo. Of course, Liberty got behind uh, early. They were down. Big day for the MAC yesterday. Yeah, that's true. Uh, also, Eastern Michigan uh, knocked off San Jose State, forty-one to twenty-seven in a bowl game uh, that was uh, the Potato Bowl up in Idaho. That was on Boise. Front of four people. <laughs> in Boise State on that blue field uh, in that regard. So uh, uh, in the meantime, uh, and San Jose State was a betting favorite, three and a half in that game. But uh, Eastern Michigan scores 21 points in the second quarter, come back with 11 in the third and put away uh, San Jose State 41 uh, to 27. In the other game, as I mentioned, Liberty uh, loses a tight one as they they come up late. They missed an extra point uh, early in the fourth quarter, and they score another touchdown. Uh, I'm pretty sure they went for two and unsuccessful, and they get beat 21 to 19. Uh, and as I mentioned yesterday, Liberty, I, I've seen them hot and cold throughout the course of the yeah, year. Man. I mean, uh, I've seen them beat some good teams, and then they come out flat the next game uh, with whoever they may be playing, uh, a team uh, maybe ranked lower. I, than I've them. got to think, Freeze did not coach that game, right? I tend to agree with you. No, he didn't coach yeah. that game. I think he's already made his way to Auburn yeah. uh, to. Uh, to get his recruiting lined up uh, today and uh, with uh, college football. So uh, with that, a uh, host of college football games. Of course, the Cajuns will be playing at 2 o'clock Friday afternoon 
uh, as they take on the University of Houston, the Cougars, over up in Shreveport in uh, the uh, Independence Bowl game. Houston, seven-and-a-half point pick right now, 56 over and under. I, I personally look for a high-scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if 40 points would win this game up in uh, uh, Shreveport uh, come Friday afternoon. Uh, the weather uh cold yeah cold and continued cold <laughs> <laughs> i think it's supposed to get down to what and remember they're three hours to the north too so uh yeah, it's, so it's going to be cold here yeah it's supposed to be in the teens here is that correct uh, not for a high but uh i'm talking know, about a low during the night yeah um i haven't seen anything in the teens yet uh but you never know yeah but um two o'clock in shreveport on friday afternoon our daytime high on Friday's only expected to be in the upper 30s, so I, I wouldn't uh, look forward to uh, it being too warm up there. Yeah, you're right. And the Cajuns uh, against the Houston Cougars, they've got a, they've played each other nine times so far, with the Cajuns winning three, Houston winning six. Uh, so uh, we'll see how the matchup is up there. Both teams uh, can and put points on And let me correct myself, 33 is the expected high here Friday. Oh, wow. So yeah. up in Shreveport, probably be a little bit nippier. Yeah. Uh, probably as much as five or six degrees, if not maybe more. And probably any uh, Cajun fan who was on the uh, border uh, as to whether or not they were going to make that trip, I'm sure that weather isn't going to help. Yeah, it's not encouraging uh, for that matter. But it's a nice drive. It's not a tough drive out of Lafayette to head up to Shreveport in Interstate 49. So, uh, Cajun fans, uh, you want to see your team uh, take on the Cougars uh, at 2 o'clock and the game probably in between 5.30 and 6. In uh, a three-hour, yeah, you could possibly be back home for uh, 10 o'clock to watch the news and the highlights of the game in that regard. Elsewhere, uh, college football tomorrow night, uh, Baylor takes on Air Force. At, uh, and that game is going to be played at 6.30 tomorrow on ESPN, the Armed Forces Bowl up there in Fort Worth as uh, the Air Force. I didn't realize the Air Force. They're 9-3 and three this year. Baylor is 6-6. Six and six. Uh, over and under, Baylor is uh, it's a 43-point game. The Baylor's a four-point pick in that regard. So they're looking at uh, Sleet with a high of 37 up in Fort Worth. So that's tomorrow night. So uh, it kind of gives you an idea of what we can expect up in Shreveport. I'm sure as that front, that massive cold air, Arctic air, moves down throughout uh, the southern part of the country. And uh, as you mentioned, Jeff, it's probably going to be a little nippy up there in that regard. So uh, – Elsewhere, football this weekend. Of course, the Saints released their injury report. They're playing Saturday. Of course, they released it a a day earlier. I was hoping maybe we'd see possibly some of their injured uh, people come back and play, but uh, like Lattimore and a couple others, but uh, and Werner, the linebacker. Uh, So uh, I got a little text here. uh, Shreveport Friday afternoon. 27? Yeah, 25. (laughs) 3 o'clock. I just checked uh, my source said 27 for a high, but uh, yeah. Anything under 32 is cold enough for yeah. me. Uh, anyway, in the meantime, uh, the— Br- Bring uh, your flask. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's something to stay warm. I, hope, I wonder if they'll be selling hot chocolate at the game. <laughs> I know I've uh, partaken with that uh, in some of those cold ball games. Anyway, Jeff, uh, St. Injury Report. Um, just trying to find that, uh, to go through that right now. Uh uh, the Saints, again, announced some roster moves yesterday. I think that three limited yesterday. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, the Saints have also signed a linebacker by the name of Ty Summers to the team's active roster from Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. And they re-signed uh, linebacker uh, Nephi uh, Sewell 
two of the practice squad, uh, placed center guard Cesar Ruiz on injury reserve and terminated the practice squad contract of linebacker Kenny Young. He's a New Orleans native, played at John Curtis and then at UCLA and bounced around the league a little bit. Uh, so uh, the Saints making some moves. The Summers, a 6'1", 241-pounder, originally a seventh-round draft pick uh, by the Packers in 2019 out of TCU. He's played four seasons with the Packers, one with Jacksonville, and has played in 49 regular season games. So uh, that's one move there. So, uh, And the Saints' uh, uh, list of uh, transactions. Um, so uh, they're trying to make some moves in their squad, but uh, uh, hopefully it's not too little too late. But the Saints uh, need a lot of help to make the playoffs uh, in the next coming weeks. Uh, didn't know if you see, saw of any of the uh, – and the Saints reclaimed, uh, of course, uh, Eno Benjamin off waivers again. Uh, they brought him back and also some roster moves they, they've made. So I uh, hadn't seen an injury report, Jeff. Don't know if you – Yeah, uh, I, I, they released one yesterday. Because they're playing Saturday, they put out the initial one yesterday. They didn't practice, but they said uh, players who would not have participated had they practiced uh, would be wide receiver Chris Olave. He's got a hamstring issue. Running back Dwayne uh, Washington, just a, a basic illness and a hamstring issue would have held linebacker Pete Werner out. Uh, Alave, new name to the list while Washington and Werner were on last week's report as well. Werner did eventually play versus the Falcons, but Washington was inactive. And uh, again, as you mentioned, Ruiz placed on uh, IR. Yeah, so the Saints are uh, still battling some injuries. Uh, seeing Olave on that uh, list, Jeff, is not encouraging because he's, he's basically played the best of all the Saints wide receivers this past year. Uh, as others, Jarvis Landry has been nicked up uh, along with the, the tight ends have had issues. Uh, uh, so the Saints, uh, they need some help uh, in that regard. So we'll see what t- takes place. And uh, just knowing the Cleveland Browns the way they are, they're going to try to run the ball down the Saints' throats. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson really hadn't shined in any of the – what has he played in three games so far uh, for the Browns? Uh, he's pretty much been, uh, you know, even keel, nothing fabulous uh, for $230 million investment mm-hmm. for the Browns. So uh, all did, did beat the big rival in the Ravens. Th- uh, the that they day. did, they did. and uh, But they come into the Saints game, I do believe, 6-9. and nine. Uh, or is I'm pretty sure that's what their record is. Is they had to uh, to take on um, the Saints, or the Saints head to Cleveland this weekend. Boy, what's the weather going to be like up there? Uh, up there in the uh, stadium, <laughs> up in <laughs> the NFL, up in there. Uh, they're looking at uh, a high. You ready? A windy high of 12 degrees. There you go. Yeah, just enough to shake the uh, ice off your shoulder pads uh, in that in the low of eight degrees Fahrenheit. So, and there's a 35 percent chance of precipitation. So I don't know if that's uh, snow, rain, sleet. At that temperature, it's probably snow. So yeah. that's what the Saints are looking at this weekend. A must win for the next uh, three games. Had there anything more on Jalen Hurts if he was going to play this weekend? Or if they against the Cowboys? Yeah, I, I saw where he has not been ruled out. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like a good idea. Yeah. You know, it, if it was his non-throwing shoulder, I could see it maybe. I just obviously they want to beat Dallas, uh, big division rival, and yeah. you know they want to clinch the division against uh, Dallas certainly. But 
Uh, at some point, they know they've got the Saints in front of them. You may as well just rest Hurts, and maybe you still win the game. Yeah. And, and again, uh, Gardner Minshew, um, you know, some people would suggest he's not a bad backup quarterback. I, I don't know. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, but, uh, I, again, it doesn't seem to me worth it. Yeah. I and mean, you know you're going to the playoffs. Good chance you're the number one seed no matter what, that you win one of these last three games, even with Minshew. If your team's worth anything, they should be able to beat one of these uh, teams uh, without Hurts. Yeah, and Hurts' uh, shoulder, I think it's a shoulder injury. I can't remember if it's his throwing shoulder. or if It it's is his, his throwing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, you're right. Uh he might uh, come out on the field, but, but you, man, if he gets hurt seriously, uh, why do you want to throw away uh, the season you've had so far? They're 13-1. and one. They're three games ahead of the Cowboys with three to play. Uh, I'm not sure besides uh, Dallas, the Saints. I don't know who their final game is. Usually it's a, uh, it's a division foe, uh, whether it be uh, Cincinnati or uh, possibly the Ravens again or uh, who's the other team in that Pittsburgh. division? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh yeah. and the Browns are in the last week. Okay. I, because yeah. we looked at that earlier. Okay. Anyway, so uh, that, yeah, that's right. Because of Franco's passing. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, so uh, we'll see uh, what they decide to do. That's an afternoon game on. Uh, I do believe that's a Saturday game at three thirty. It's the late game, uh, Saturday, as most of the NFL is playing uh, Thursday, and then uh, a few games Saturday, and I think two or three Sunday, along with the Monday night game. So in the Monday night game. Uh, for that matter, is the Chargers at Indianapolis. Uh, the Sunday games, Tampa Bay at Arizona, Denver at uh, L.A., and Green Bay at uh, Miami. The other games, uh, they have a late game that night, too. It's Vegas at Pittsburgh, and I'm sure that's going to be on the NFL Network, too. So if you want to watch that later on, if you have access to the network or the NFL. And uh, with that, so Philadelphia, Dallas, late game, along with Washington, San Francisco, Atlanta, Baltimore, and Detroit at Carolina. So, uh uh, and again, Cincinnati, New England, the Giants at Minnesota. So uh, a lot of football on this weekend if you want to uh, b- well, Predicting watch. 15 NFL games beginning tomorrow night. 15. 16. <laughs> 16. 16, excuse me. That's right. Anyway, let's go ahead and take our next break. Uh, you listen to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day, Wednesday, December the 21st. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music on Thursday. It's Southern Jack, and join us for the Quarter Tavern Christmas Party Friday night. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, across from McDonald's, the best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer, now just $2, imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has it covered for all the bowl games and no bar with more outdoor seating. Don't forget the Quarter Tavern, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main. 
Landry has been traveling around District 49 talking to friends and neighbors about bringing prosperity and economic freedom to all our citizens. As we visited with thousands of people across our great district, many asked, how can we get involved in moving our district forward? Join us by going to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com where you can easily sign up and join our campaign. Go to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com and register now to join us. Pay for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. What does the 50th anniversary of Title IX mean? It means I'm valued. I'm empowered. I can do anything. It means I'll pave the way for every girl who plays high school sports in the future. Just like every female student, coach, official, and administrator blaze the trail for me. Because every student deserves the opportunity to play. Encourage girls you know to participate in Louisiana high school sports. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on this big hump day, Wednesday, December the 21st. Uh, just quickly, uh, <coughs> excuse me, NBA action. Uh, the Hornets, uh, the Hornets, the Pelicans don't play again until uh, tomorrow night when they entertain San Antonio, uh, division rival San Antonio Planet at uh, winning one out of three games. And meanwhile, uh, the, um, the Pelicans, uh, who had on a seven-game winning streak uh, just as little as uh, a little over a week ago, they've lost four in a row now. And they're sit at 18-12 and 12 in the Southwest uh, Division of the Western Conference of the NBA. Memphis uh, leads by a full game. They're 19-11. and 11, And as I mentioned, the Pelicans play San Antonio Thursday night. In the meantime, the hot team in the NBA right now is the Knicks. The Knicks have won eight in a row. And... Uh, they uh, basically, I'm trying to see where they play again, too. They, uh, they take on Toronto tonight at 630 in New York. And the Knicks uh, winning eight in a row right now. They're 18 and 13. They're the hot team in the NBA. Of course, uh, the two best teams right now in the NBA, the, of course, are the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, along with the Boston Celtics. And they both play tonight. Milwaukee will travel to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. And uh, uh, the, um, the Boston uh, Celtics. Uh, will be at home to face Indiana, the Pacers. Uh, Celtics twenty-two and nine. The Milwaukee's twenty-two and eight, and they're kind of setting the uh, uh, way things are going right now uh, in the NBA. So, uh, in the meantime, over in the in the Western Conference, uh, the of course the Pelicans had the best record at one time. Now that best record, uh, the two teams tied with that best record, and that's between Denver and Memphis. And uh, Memphis, as I mentioned, in the same division with uh, the Pelicans. Uh, elsewhere, uh, the Lakers, the, and along with the Golden State, uh, with uh, with Curry, with that shoulder injury, didn't see how long he's going to be out. But he's he and Thompson uh, kind of make uh, the the Warriors go. They're defending champs right now as they took down the Celtics. I think in uh, six or seven games last year, Golden State's fifteen and seventeen. The Lakers are thirteen and seventeen. And uh, they're basically five games behind the Phoenix Suns at 19 and 13. So an NBA action, Jeff, uh, and with Steph Curry being down right now with the Warriors, 
I'd like to see that record without him uh, playing in, in a game. He's the most phenomenal shooter I've ever seen from the outside uh, in NBA action uh, over the last, oh, maybe 20 years or so. Uh, Seth Curry out with a shoulder injury as he was trying to uh, rip a ball out of uh, an opponent's hands. And uh, I don't know if he dislocated his shoulder, sprained his shoulder, but he was in some kind of pain as he left the game. So Steph Curry and the Warriors uh, looking to see uh, how long he may be out. I'm hearing anywhere from four to six weeks uh, that, in that time. That's a, probably a pretty good number of basketball games as Steph Curry looking for uh, some healing right now. Anyway, uh, Elsewhere, and other little notice, uh, of course, so you mentioned today earlier, National Signing Day for high school football players. That's taking place. We've got a, got a few local players, uh, Diedrich Latulis, along with uh, Derek uh, Williams and uh, Harvey Broussard over in St. Martinville will sign grant nades with uh, their respective colleges this morning. Arch Manning has already inked his deal with the Texas Longhorns. He'll be playing uh, there next year uh, for the Longhorns. So, uh Pretty much what's shaking what's going around right now in National Signing Day. The Cajuns and the Tigers look to sign anywhere between uh, 17 and 25 players. 17, 18 for the Cajuns, 25 as many for the uh, Tigers as they get an infusion of some players from the transfer portal uh, to help out their defensive line where they're going to lose a few starters uh, this year. So, uh, And then players in the bowl games, both the Cajuns along with uh, the Tigers in their bowl games, Cajuns play this Friday at 2. The Tigers play uh, the day after New Year's, the 2nd of January at noon. So uh, some players have already opted out the games. Don't know why, but that's their prerogative. In the meantime, as they get ready for the NFL draft, but our own Zion Hill-Green will be playing for the Cajuns uh, in the bowl game up in Shreveport against the Houston Cougars. Anything else maybe you'd spotted uh, with regards, Jeff? No, I just checked the ESPN tracker. No new uh, big signings. Uh, not that they've made note of anything. Uh, so that, and you know, I was also curious. We talked about the fact that the bowl game tonight didn't begin until eight, and kind of curious to see uh, if ESPN had a big college Hoops basketball game, game, yeah, game. Um, tonight that they might be airing. And I, I'm not seeing it, but that doesn't right. mean it doesn't exist. That is correct. That's, uh, you're right about Clemson, that. Clemson, Georgia Tech at 6.30, but that's on the deuce. Okay. So, anyway. All right. Anyway, today in sports history, December 